When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. It's Stangy Law Firm. We represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. Today's episode is brought to you in part by makers and fixers of Snap On. The makers and fixers keep the world moving. They're the backbone of the world, whether they're talking about manufacturing, customizing, restoration, performance, or maintenance. I know a lot of makers and fixers. I'm sure there are a lot of makers and fixers in the audience. Uh, I hear from a lot of you guys. I know you're working, you're wrenching, you're doing it, uh, working on your cars, you're fixing up. You know me, I'm fixing up my heater. I'm fixing up the uh, the pipes in my house that explode in the front lawn. Um, real makers and fixers not only made your car, they keep it running and help you make it awesome. Theirs is not just a job, it's a calling. And Snap-on wants to hear from you. Share your story. Go to makersandfixers.com slash spikescarradio. Makersandfixers.com slash spikescarradio. And check out the Makers and Fixers uh, Instagram account. I've been there. It's really cool. They're looking for your story. And maybe uh, if they like it, they're going to help you uh, promote your business and promote your making and promote your fixing. Check it out. Makersandfixers.com slash Spike's Car Radio. And now, Hangar 56 Media presents Spike's Car Radio, a downloadable cars and coffee, hosted by writer, comedian, and automotive enthusiast, Spike Ferriston. Now, here's Spike. Higher and higher, a song chosen by my guest today, Mr. Ronnie Chang. Ronnie, this is fantastic. We're at the Zuckerman Hangar here at Cotner. Thank you for having me, man. This place is beautiful. Uh, by the way, Jackie Wilson and Higher, scientifically one of the most uplifting songs. Really? Like they tested it, and this is one of the most kind of like it makes people really happy. So if listeners are down right now, <laughs> let, let's let's you can't hear it, but. Let me let them listen. Yeah, it's good. All right, we've lifted them up, and now we're going to entertain you for, I don't know, 40 or so minutes. Ronnie, this is great. I'm so excited to talk to you. Thanks for having me, man. Thanks for bringing me into this beautiful hangar. Um, no one can see what we're talking about, but this place is straight out of... <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, you know, every classy car magazine you've ever seen is basically here. <laughs> this is the Zuckerman spot. 
And it contains, uh, I never know what I'm going to find when I come down here. We record in a variety of places, sometimes Santa Monica, sometimes here, sometimes Beverly Hills. We, we usually go to Zuckerman, uh-huh. the co-host, because he's lazy. Uh-huh. And, you know, we don't really pay him. But he's like, <laughs> I'll do the show if you come to me. And I said, that's a fair deal. Right. And, uh, and it's nice here. It's beautiful. This is beautiful. It's quiet. It's private. I didn't, it's my first time here, so I didn't know what to expect. I yes. didn't know where I was heading to. I thought I <laughs> might be going to one of your apartments. I thought we might be meeting at a cafe because I just had an address. And I show up and I'm like, is this, is this a spot? It looks like an abandoned place in LA. And then lo and behold, as is the LA thing, all the all the secret stuff is behind closed doors. Yes. It's beautiful. And there was a little moment, uh, I had a little moment of fear. I came here a few minutes earlier and uh, left the gate open for you. Uh-huh. And, and there was a fella, ni- nice gentleman, uh-huh. uh, just dancing uh, in the window by himself uh-huh. here in the mall Sunday morning and talking to himself. So right. uh, it was, uh, when I heard the noise, I was happy to see it was you. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And not someone who was going to come dance with me. Right. <laughs> well, yeah. anyway, so, you know, you've, you're in that sub set of, of person that is perfect for Spike's car radio. In that, you are in entertainment, you're in comedy, and you like cars and you like watches. Right. Well, it's a very small subset <laughs> of people, so I'm glad to be part of it, I guess. I Also, I don't want to get gross and talk about money as well, but... Um, I'm used to doing podcasts in people's studio apartments in New York. So I'm still coming from that world. So it's interesting to come into a place where comics are able to have nice things. Uh, and But I, I will say that it is not just about money. When, when I see uh, c- comics who do have, you know, have kind of made it a little bit, it's also about good taste, you know? There's, there's, there's having money and there's having good taste. I always feel like that's always the difference for me. It's like between someone who's gross and someone who's like, oh, this guy did something he was passionate about, managed to find success in it, and then he still maintains his good taste in what he does. You know? Yeah. Well, we all work hard. I mean, I want to talk about where you came from because I think that, you know, when I, the, the people I know, at least my little group, we were all... Uh, we didn't grow up with money. Yes. We we saw these things that we dreamed about yes. and we worked hard to kind of make the money yes. to get them. Yes, yes, yes. And then you achieve it. It becomes this little goal. And, you know, while I think all of us acknowledge it's kind of stupid, <laughs> it's dumb crap, but it makes us personally happy. Yeah. It delivers, you know, uh, 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 relaxation yeah. and fun, and it keeps your mind focused on dumb stuff. I know, yeah. you know, it's been said before in my little group, our wives love that we're focused on this stuff <laughs> instead of possibly other stuff. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Does that make sense? Absolutely. No, no. And I mean, I say that without judging because, yeah. again, like I said, it's this weird dichotomy of, of it's not about the money. You need money to kind of collect these things and be able to enjoy them. But when you ultimately do enjoy it, it's it, it's not about kind of showing off or whatever. It's more like, hey, this is cool. This is really cool. I remember you said in your Petrolicious episode, you said like your measure for a car is whether when you drive it, are you, do you have a grin on your face? Right. Right. And, and the grin on your face is the That's key. It. Isn't 
do people think I'm cool or is this an expensive car? Is the right. grin on your face? And so in a way, all this money stuff is the surface level, but underneath is the pursuit of joy, which it's, it can be simple. Yeah. It can be on a skateboard, yeah, by the way. Exactly. It's currently being delivered by my Sondor's electric bicycle. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. but I go up into the hills and in a minute, yeah. I'm just in that state of bliss and yes. happy and relaxed. Yes. And, and, and again, sorry, the only reason I bring this up, this topic of money is because I... And coming from a place where, again, I, you know, well, all my friends are these, were these 30 year old road comics who we were just, yeah, you know, we had to reject money completely to pursue this. So that's why. Well, of course. Right, right. The more unhappy you are, the funnier you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really, you are. Yeah, yeah. And you, and, it, and, it, and it's your drive. It's a primary sure. drive. It still is for me. Sure. You sure. got to keep delivering. You got to yes, keep yes. hustling. Yes, yes, yes. Right? Yes, yes. I watched that Adam Sandler movie, that basketball movie oh, yeah. last night yeah. on Netflix. Yeah. Hustle. Yes. Yeah. That's what it is. It's a hustle. Yeah. The hustle. Yeah. That's what we're doing. Well, let's talk about you. Where, Please. you know, as I go back, just I want to introduce the audience to you. You're born in Malaysia, but you also lived in New Hampshire. Yeah. How, do, how, does, <laughs> how does that work? So my, my, we were, my family was, were um, Chinese Malaysian, were third generation Chinese Malaysian. So growing up, we just said we're Malaysian. We didn't think of ourselves as, you know, um, uh, and um, we... My father went to college very late in life. Actually, my parents, sorry, my mom and my dad, they, they had two kids, and then they decided to go to college um, in America. <laughs> wow. So they went to college in their late 30s with two kids and no, no financial help. And they, how old were you? I was, when I, came, when I went to New Hampshire, I was three years old. Wow. Yeah. And now, I know New Hampshire because I'm from <laughs> New England. <laughs> sure. Yeah. How were you greeted in New Hampshire? Were people nice to you? Man, you know, it was the best. Wow. It was the best. When I was, it was three, and it set, it was so good that it set off this, because I, I, I left when I was seven, and it set off this 20-year quest to go back to America. That's how good it was for me. It was, and I acknowledge it was obviously, you know, a very naive time for me. You know, I was, I was in elementary school, kindergarten, elementary there's no racism when you're that young. I left before racism kicked in. I left when I was seven. You know, that's too young. It was young. there. You yeah. just didn't notice it. Yeah, I didn't notice it. I didn't notice it at all. But, I just, what, but here's what surprises me about that. It, you know, I don't remember much about my life at three years old. What, sure. what, what was it about New Hampshire at three that really drew you? I don't know. It was... Uh, Happiness? I remember, just- I remember it, was, it was like, oh, it's snowing. Snow is a lot of fun. I remember... Elementary school. Elementary school was like fun. I, I don't know. I like yeah, school. Yeah. I remember like um, I would hang on my sisters. You read me Babysitters Club books, and to, so I read. I read all the Babysitters Club books. That was my first <laughs> way. Of, that's how I started reading was Babysitters Club books. And then I remember we we only went to like five places. My entire life was five places. It was the library, school, the back room restaurant in New Hampshire, which is still there. When I went back, I actually wow. managed to have a meal there again. And that's cheeseburgers, right? <laughs> French fries no, it's actually steak. They had steak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. steak there. And then uh, the Shell gas station that my parents worked at. And then home. And it was like, and, and maybe the lake. There was like a lake. Um, wow. And the park, sorry. So seven places. And my life was just seven places. And it was like, it seemed like the world was like huge. And so I always had this very romantic notion of uh, not just New Hampshire, but of America. I always had this very... Um, I remember watching Seinfeld on TV. A whole family will watch it, you know. And then when I went back to Singapore, so so after, uh, after my parents graduated, they got their undergrad and then they got their masters. And it took them 
What uh, were they studying? Uh, they studied like, I think my dad did a, a undergrad in business and his master's was in economics. And then my mom did, I think, science undergrad and then she did an MBA. But so, but so, so they're working at the Shell station, they're yeah. going to college and they're yeah. raising these kids. Yeah, yeah. That's and, incredible. Yeah, it's incredible, man. I mean, at that time, we didn't think much of it. But then now I look back, I'm like, oh my God, that was crazy. I, no babysitters? They, no nannies? No, no. They started from scratch. They, had to, they, they, they were doing their own, my dad was doing his own business in Malaysia. Uh, and I guess it, it went under. Uh, not through anyone's fault or anything, just, right. you know, the way businesses go under. And so his thing was he was going to go get educated and restart his life. And they and back in the late 80s, it was still a very uh, sought after thing to be educated overseas. Right. That when it was still worth more than it is now. Not that it's not worth anything now, but like back then it was a lot harder to do it, obviously. Yeah, right. right. And so getting an American degree was like something where when you go back to Malaysia, that's like an arbitrage. It's like a, yeah. it's like a, you, you get so much social capital from it. And so that's what my, my parents did. So they just worked at McDonald's. They worked at the gas station. They supported two kids. They put themselves through uh, college. Um, granted, it was, uh, at that time, it was a community college called uh, uh, New Hampshire College, I guess. It's, it's, it has since merged into University of Southern New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. And I, I did a gig there when I came back to America, <laughs> which was really cool. Uh, did you talk about that? Did I did. I just at the end of the set, you know, I didn't, make a, I, I didn't make it the whole set. But at the end, I just said, hey, man, this is uh, trippy for me because my parents went to college here. It's the whole reason I, I had this dream in my head to come to America uh, and... You know, and New Hampshire was always really cool to me. So thanks a lot. And the students were like, ah, yeah, they went crazy. Yeah, yeah. And, well, that's uh, amazing. So you're yeah. wait. So you're in Singapore then, in yeah, your so, teenage years. Yeah. Right? So what happened was that my parents graduated, and so they they did the thing where they were good immigrants because they left. <laughs> so most people would have stayed on, right? Right, right. And my parents were like, nah, we got to go. And at that time, I didn't understand it. At the time when they left, they actually, they actually didn't tell me they were leaving for good. They said, hey, we're going to Singapore to visit <laughs> Singapore. I remember I distinctly asked my mom, like, hey, we're coming back, right? <laughs> right. And she was like, yeah, we're coming back. And she knew we weren't coming back. <laughs> right. And she just didn't want to tell well, me. Well, you're three. Right. Well, when I left, I was seven. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I... I had so much resentment over it. I was yeah, like, why didn't yeah. you tell me we were leaving for good? Yeah. You know, you, you like you lied to me and now and now we were in Singapore and um, That's a pretty big adjustment, isn't it? Yeah. I yeah. mean I don't know much, but I know it's pretty strict there, right? Yeah, it's super strict. And so imagine New Hampshire to Singapore was like, what? <laughs> you know, and this and the schooling system was in Singapore is very intense. Yeah. It's very rigorous. Uh, they don't take kindly to seven year old Chinese boys who cannot speak any Chinese. Uh, they literally just beat. They beat it into you. They beat the Chinese into you. Really? Yeah. They. What does that mean? They mean they they beat. They take a ruler and they beat it into you. So you were hit with rulers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where in Singapore? Yeah. Oh, yeah, where on, on my your, body? Yeah. Oh man, you want to get into this, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. Okay. Uh, yeah, they hit your hand. You know, they they they. they that must the, have been terrifying. Oh yeah, it's horrible. Yeah. You're in this new country yeah. and there's a person hitting you with a ruler. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. You laugh, but God, at seven, yeah, yeah. that's scary. Seven, eight, yeah. Yeah, and, um, you know, uh, at I, I don't want to put everything on Singapore and my parents. I think at that time, I, I just want to quickly say, like, I didn't understand why my dad left. And as an adult now coming back to America, I'm like, oh, I get why he left. Because he saw this ceiling in America for himself. Right. And he knew that if he went back to Singapore, he wouldn't have that ceiling. And I'm like, Oh, I get it now. And I was too young to understand that ceiling because, that he faced with the racism and the 
um, the you know they wouldn't give him a fair shot to be promoted to whatever mm. you know. But in Singapore, he could become an executive and you know and and a corporate. He they went to the corporate world when they went back to Singapore. So. Um, and I appreciate that more now that I didn't at the time, you know. Would you do a show at that Singapore elementary school? I did. I, you did? I did, yeah. I brought, the, I brought these uh, cameras back to the, yeah. I mean, oh, you I, did? Yeah. Uh, what, do you, what does that mean? You brought cameras back and you oh, did a documentary? Yeah, yeah. So, I, so I, this is skipping ahead a bit, but I was in Australia for 10 years and I, I started doing stand-up there. And then there was an Australian show called um, Home Delivery with Julia Zamero. And mm-hmm. she... Uh, goes back to people's childhood homes. So in my oh, case, cool. these Australians came to Singapore to film, you know, all these schools that I went to in Singapore and talk about Singapore a bit. They met my old teacher. Did you find that teacher who was hit, hitting? No, you not the ruling? teacher who was hitting. <laughs> Let me. Oh, okay, hang on, Spike. Let me just. I wasn't like being hit every single day. It was. I'm. Ar- I'm mad about this already. Uh, uh, I, I was feel angry hit, about it. I was being hit. Uh, but I know uh, what you're saying. I think yeah. we've all seen that scene in school with the angry schoolmaster. And yeah. The, but still, it, yeah, it, it, yeah. it's less about that. You know, I don't know. It's just frightening. Yeah. 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 So you're there. Yeah. Till how old? Um, like when does this comedy thing start, sort of kick in? Right. So. Um, I'm not just saying this because of you being you, but uh, when I was I when I was four years old in New Hampshire, we would watch Seinfeld on TV, and when Seinfeld would do the stand-up bits in the interstitials, <laughs> I told my mom like, "Hey, what?" And that's the first time I ever saw someone just <laughs> doing that art form of of really? he's just standing there and he's telling jokes to a crowd into a microphone. Everyone's watching him, and I was like. Oh, that's like that. That's actually a, a form of self-expression. Or, or at that at that age, I was like, oh, that's a job. You can do that as a job. And then I told my mom, like, hey, I want to try that sometime. When I, when I was four, and my mom said, like, oh yeah, you can, yeah, sure. And then I, I didn't do, surprisingly, she didn't talk me out of it. And then, she, I, but I didn't do anything about it for like 20 years. Well, she's, you're only four. She's saying yes to everything. Sure, yeah. yeah. I mean, but you can I, be a garbage man. You I, can, I, well, <laughs> they were ahead. pretty like, you know, go be an engineer when I was four years old. Oh, really? So, yeah. They yeah. were. They were yeah. all over that. They were all over that, yeah. So well, they that's were, a pretty good choice. I mean, yeah, why not be an engineer? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you say, I want to do stand up. It's, it's because Jerry, you see that he's yeah. doing this job and he's yeah. getting paid for it. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I want to try that sometime. See, that happened to me with Letterman. That was Letterman name. throwing shit off a building. And so I go, wow, he's getting paid for that. Yeah. I just got kicked out of my college dorms for that. <laughs> he's getting paid. I right. did the same math very right. quickly. Right. <clears throat> and, uh, but I mean. So that's four. Yeah. But I didn't, I didn't do anything about it for 20 years. It's not like I pursued it. I didn't okay. think about it seriously. And then when I was 24 years old, um, so just skipping ahead again, I was in Singapore for, for 10 years. I went through school there. And when I was 18, uh, I uh, went to Australia for law school. And oh, wow. so um, I was in law school. I graduated. Uh, I did like two degrees at the same time. So it took me like five years. And then um, when I graduated at 24, I, uh, my final year of law school, I, I, there was a stand-up comedy competition at my university, University of Melbourne. And I signed up and I just went to go do it. And because in my head, I was like, man, if I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it. Right. It's the best chance for me to 
is the to do this thing yeah um and then i won that competition and <laughs> but then, how and then that i mean <clears throat> you say you're gonna go do stand-up right, right you're right, excited right. you sign up right did you write an act or did yeah, you yeah. just improvise it no i worked for two weeks i was like figuring out jokes i was like trying to and how did you do that you were writing things down yeah. observational ideas and yeah were you, uh, standing in the mirror how did you yeah standing in the it? mirror uh practicing at that time because obviously i didn't know the rhythms of stand-up and right. i didn't know the even the industry or how to get started i just knew i had this gig where I had to tell jokes. Right. And, and what were you writing about? College life or life in general? Uh, or I was writing about stuff in general. I was trying to be a bit unexpected. I was being, I was trying to be unexpectedly kind of uh, dirty. <laughs> uh, I was cr- trying to be unexpectedly kind of, um, there, there, there was one theme. I only had five minutes. So whatever theme you can come up in five minutes. But like, I, I distinctly remember I had this theme and one of the reasons I started doing stand up why I even wanted to try doing it at this competition was one, I thought I could do it and I just wanted to confirm my suspicions. And two, I would always hear these Asian jokes about Asian people and I was always like, no one, but no one's talking about this part of it being Asian, like this perspective of it. And so I was like, well, I, I'm, good, I'm just gonna, if no one's gonna talk about it, I'm gonna talk about it. And so I, I was, so one of the themes in the thing was about, um, uh, Asian guys and how like I'm butchering my own joke here I can't remember <laughs> for my own five minutes but it was something about like Asian guys and how they like you always see like a Asian girl with a white guy but you never see the reverse of it and you know and no one was talking about that in a usually when people talk about that it's very kind of uh, degrading to everyone involved and so I wanted to kind of give a different perspective of it and so that was right, kind of right. the start of this point of view of like oh I can not that I want to just talk about Asian stuff, but like I can talk about this experience I'm having that I don't hear anyone else talking about this, so I better say it. Because if I don't right. say it, no one's going to say it. <clears throat> right. And so that was kind of the start of that. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, you'd be pleased to know Jerry's the one who told me about yeah. you. Oh, yeah. No, that was, uh, yeah, I couldn't believe it. He you? called up and he said, have you seen this guy? <laughs> and I'm like, no, let me pull something up. And I pulled up your Netflix stuff and I went, oh, my God. Oh, is he funny? Oh, he goes, uh, and uh, I'm sure he said this to you. You were on set with him. and He was just he, so, he's very critical of stand-ups. Yes, I am well aware. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he get, And yeah. he looks at routines in a way that I can't see what he's seeing, but you were one of those guys that really stood out to him. He goes, I, I can see what this guy's doing here, and it's very impressive. And I started watching, and I really lost it. If you guys haven't seen Ronnie's, it, just start watching his Netflix stuff. There's a lot of stuff on YouTube. Some of your best bits there. Right. Uh, you're also uh, your Daily Show stuff. Oh, right. So I'm like, so I'm like backing into you in a weird way. Yes, like yes, I, yes. I started with your Netflix yes, yes. comedy. Well, thank God you saw the. And <laughs> then see them before that. And then you know when we were casting our movie, I said we got to put Ronnie in it. He goes, let's put Ronnie in it. And we talked to your manager yes. Max. We saw him yeah. at a party, and and I said, look, the way this thing is working, it's everybody's coming on to do little parts here and there, and there's lots of folks, and yeah. would Ronnie consider? And he's it absolutely and we had you on oh my god we'll talk about that later yeah, when please. we're skipping ahead up. a few times yeah but yeah our next partner is athletic greens i take ag1 by athletic greens literally every day i gave ag1 a try because i wanted increased energy immune support and most of all i don't like taking pills big pills in the morning it's hard for me to keep up with a supplement routine that comes with a bunch of different products but this is the healthiest thing i can do in under a minute very quickly, I noticed it helps me with my digestion, my hair. You've seen my hair. My skin feels great. 
It's just one scoop of powder mixed with water once a day. AG1 has been part of millions of mornings since 2010. AG1 gives you increased energy and mood support, making it easy to live your best life. If you're looking for an easier way to get supplements, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash spike911. That's athleticgreens.com slash spike911. Check it out. If you missed that, uh, you can always go to my Instagram account to our link tree, and there you're going to find all our sponsors. And right at the top of the list, Athletic Greens. Back to the show. You were just in Megan. Yeah, yeah. Just, I mean, I don't even know where to start with all this stuff. Let's start. Let's start with Megan because uh, I, I watched it. I, I, I had right. a screening at the house with right, my my right. son knew all about it. Right. And uh, it was great. It's a really fun movie, Thank and you. you play the bad guy, kind of owner of the company that creates the AI, Megan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's a AI. Uh, doll movie. Did you did you audition for that part? I I didn't. I the director called me and we had a conversation and um he liked what I was saying I guess and then he <laughs> he trusted me with the role which uh just a little Hollywood um insider shout out here uh well not like um behind the scenes here that. When I audition for stuff, I never get. <laughs> no, no, that's right. I, I only get the offers. Only like if I audition for it, they never trust me. But but because I get the offers, without them um, having me test for it, I always feel this really big sense of responsibility to make sure I deliver to not let them down. So I make sure I you know bring it. I make sure I'm collaborative on set because they didn't get a chance to kind of see you know what what well they obviously they've seen my body of work but not me in the character right right so, so i'm lucky that this director gerard johnstone trusted me with it and um i was i was still in a phase where uh, I, well i was look i thought it was a cool genre to be part of and i could see the comedy in the script you know it wasn't like an out and out uh super serious uh <laughs> like um, slasher it's quite the opposite actually yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's almost a dark comedy and they made it even more of a dark comedy as we as we figured out what the movie was you know so they really leaned into the dark comedy aspect I can't emphasize that enough that it's actually not as scary as uh, you would expect from like a James Wan uh, doll movie um, and so we were like uh, we were filming out in New Zealand and it was a two I had to quarantine for two weeks which is like being in jail and and you got to be murdered. I got to be murdered. Well, spoiler, spoiler alert, yeah, I got to be murdered. Yeah. What was that like? I mean, well, first, look, let me, uh, Megan, please yeah. on set. What what were you dealing with with that? Is that CGI? Is that a oh. person? Is that a doll? They or? found the sweetest New Zealand girl, Amy Donald, who's a movement prodigy genius. So oh, she wow. can do a standing backflip. Just like standing there, she can just do a flip and she always has a smile on her face. She's such a positive person. And they had this sweetheart be this horrible, <laughs> this scary doll. So she was wearing a latex mask the whole time mm -hmm. for hours. Never, you know, you know how it is on set. Yeah. Exhausting. People, yeah. people get angry, you know, and, and um, but she just never lost that kind of uh, energy that, 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 that child wonder of being on set and, and enjoying herself and so we part of our scenes were with her as uh 
uh, you know, uh, what's it called? Um, uh, non CGI effects, practical effects. Yeah. And then yeah. they they obviously put in CGI in post, which I didn't get a chance to see because they were tr- still finalizing mm-hmm. the actual look. So I was working with an animatronic. They had animatronic puppet. <laughs> they had the girl with the mask on, and then they had CGI. And so I was acting with all three of those things. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. And you're also in that iconic moment where she does the dance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you know, this were you, I can't remember the angles of that, but were you, were you standing there watching the dance happen as the doll was chasing you? Yeah, yeah. So what, uh, did it terrify you or were you laughing or? I mean, I, you know. <laughs> what I'm kind a, of actor are you? Are you method? Or are you uh, <laughs> well, I'm an I'm a adult, so I was looking at this and I was like, I wasn't like. I had to act terrified about because I knew the girl wasn't gonna kill me. But yeah. it was there was an element of man, this is this this is creepy enough for me to get into. The, the dance, I really wanted more of the dance. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was amazing well, to she's watch. She's a movement genius, man. Yeah. She really yeah. is a movement genius. And I mean, I kind of told this story on Kimmel, but like it, it's funny because day one, that was my actually my first scene I shot, and so I I I'm well lining up the shot. They put in the the animatronic doll. And and so I, and I turn away for one second. I look back, and I just um, and I'm I'm getting to character. So I just yell at the animatronic doll like, "What the fuck are you doing here?" And then it, it turns out the animatronic doll they switched it with the little girl. So I just yelled at this little girl. Oh no! I, yeah, and I had to apologize <laughs> profusely. I think the AD was messing with me, and and uh, I was, I've been apologizing. Oh, th- oh thank you. <laughs> yeah. For for creating this hostile workplace moment right. for her to remember <laughs> yeah, forever. Exactly. But she was, she was very sweet and uh, she didn't take it to heart. And, um, th- uh, you know, uh, this is uh, the, the whole movie is actually a good lesson in pursuing something which is cool. Because when we made that movie, I thought the script was fully cooked. It's one of those rare things where when you read the script, you're like, you're like yeah, they've gone through many drafts of this. I can't right, see any right. part where I need to improv or f- uh, quote unquote fix it or whatever this thing is fully cooked so the script was very impressive and the director was very impressive and the cast uh, Alison Williams is in it and so I was like this is going to be a good project but at the same time you know you, you, you're, you're a veteran of show business you know that for things to really pop it takes more than just a good project unfortunately yeah, right? Yeah. so many things have to go right it has to mm-hmm. come at the right time it has to have a cultural <clears throat> yeah. moment and so you know when we made this movie in New Zealand Again, it was for it wasn't for much pay. We just thought it was a cool thing to do in New Zealand. I wanted to be a part of it. I love James Wan. Shout out Malaysia, Australia as well. Um, and I just wanted to do something cool. And then it ended up kind of you know going a bit viral on the internet. It ended up finding a following mm-hmm. in America internationally. And I'm like, oh, that was that's really cool. You and know, then they the called bonus. you up and they said it did so well. <laughs> yeah, we'd like to write you a check, right? Uh, we they, know you did this for no money. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they did. Well, well. <laughs> again, I don't get gross to talk about money, but no, no. But it, you don't have to. But no, did but, they? That's good. Well, I'll tell you how the. This, this is why this was also a good company to work for. This production company, Blumhouse. For me, they've been. Oh super yeah, cool. they're great. They're great. Yeah, they're they're smart. They know they know what they're doing, and. Um, they make good producer decisions, which is rare, as you know. It's it's hard to find producers who make really sensible decisions. Mm-hmm. And one of the things they did was um, they gave me they 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 said, "Hey, we got no money for this, but if it succeeds, here's the we'll give you a piece. Yeah, we'll give you a piece. Oh, that's great. Which is the very reasonable. And this deal. is Jason Blum, right? Yeah, Blum. yeah, 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 yeah. He is a car guy 
as well. I'm not surprised. The guy is... <laughs> I went to uh, Barrett Jackson with him right. and a, a mutual friend. And uh, when we came back to the airport, um, he said, let me show you my ride. And he had this big limousine with an edit suite in it. And <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> this goofball driver dressed like you. Uh-huh. <laughs> he goes, that's my assistant. He turns around like this, looked like he'd just done a couple bong hits. And he goes, I'm just driving around L.A. going to meetings and editing movies. All right. It was really cool. And it was, I can't remember the car, and forgive me, but it was an old, like, I think it was an old Rolls, an old Bentley. It was so oh cool. My God. So not even an Escalade. It was like a... No, no, no. It was an old limo. Wow. With, with, and it had a couch in it and then a screen right. and a computer and makes he sense. could edit or he could have someone edit. Makes sense, man. He's just the, grinding out these movies. Yeah. Well, he's a character. Yeah. He's a really fun guy. He came yeah. dressed as Megan. He came to a premiere dressed <laughs> as Megan. And so he's a cool guy. Yeah. I made him a Wow. Guy. And also, I, I should just let that slide about how I'm dressed, I guess. Yeah. Because. <laughs> well, we all, we know why you're dressed this way. I, by the way, you walked in and I thought, oh, there's Ronnie Chang and he looks kind of cool. He's kind of a hipster guy. Oh, right, right. But that wasn't the case. <laughs> right. Something went wrong. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I. You don't have a place here. You don't live here? I don't live in L.A. And so I've been here filming. Some, I'm here filming something okay. uh, for Hulu and um, I'm here for like five months. Right. So they put me up at this place, which will go unnamed. And I stay there for three weeks, and I I get these uh, bed bugs. Oh God! It's it was. I'm gonna assume it's a nice hotel. It's a very nice place, which should not have bed bugs. Really? And yeah, it's. Uh, uh, did not expect this. Pl- uh, uh, let me. Uh, of all the how places, did you, how do you discover? Because I think we all fear this. Okay, we let, all fear this. I always, when I go into a hotel, yeah. I always lift up the mattress and I look yes. for the telltale signs. Yeah. Did you do that? I did not do that. You did not because. Do that. Okay. In all my years of touring the roads yeah, in yeah. shitty hotels, yeah. I have never once gotten bed bugs. Okay. So, so I kind of took it for granted that <laughs> hotels do not have bed bugs as someone who literally lives in hotels. Um, but if you go to bedbug.com and you go to one of those hotel I know. sites, they, they, it's unbelievable. Every single hotel has it in this. So This podcast took a dark turn here, but let me- <laughs> No, uh, we, we want to know. So yes. How long were you there before you discovered this? I was there for two weeks. Okay, and then? And then I started getting these oh, no. bumps. Oh, God. Ton, like a lot, of, like at least like 15 bumps. And I oh, thought it was, I was I'm, oh, I'm getting an allergic reaction to wardrobe because I'm right. filming on set. Yes. And I'm like, the only thing that's changed in my life is I'm wearing these clothing from right. set. So I very politely just tell wardrobe, like, hey, guys, I think something might be here, like, Maybe yeah. it's the maybe it's the detergent, or and they're like, "Oh, you will change the detergent." Right. Um, and then <laughs> I go back. Nothing really changes. Yeah. I wake up one morning and I'm like, "Oh, I see it on my oh, I see the bug." God. On my and I'm like, "Oh, okay. Well, now I gotta." And then it sets. So what on. do you do? Well, <clears throat> do you uh, go downstairs. You tell the hotel. You have to calmly tell the hotel. You also have to calmly take, like you know. You, you you basically have to take nothing from the hotel. You have to leave everything there and get out because you don't know what's what has. What, what. about watches? Oh yeah, you gotta leave it there. No, yeah, yeah, seriously. Yeah, you leave it. I leave everything there. Did you leave a safe. watch there? Yeah, I left the whole. No, well, no, I left it. I left the hotel, but I didn't like. Yeah, I left everything in there. You, you did. Just go. Just you get just out. Go. Why? Just get out because you don't want to. First of all, you don't want to be in that room and get. No, bitten. I understand the clothing part, but no. not the watch part. Oh, like, like you got to take your watch, I, right? Yes, I put it in a safe, but you I was did. just like. But you so because you were planning to go back. 
Um, no, at that time, I've never dealt with this, so I didn't know what the procedure was. I had to go to work. So, so I was right. filming on set. So you left everything. Yeah, I just left everything. You in. go buy these clothes that you're wearing uh, now. No, no, no. This was... <laughs> <laughs> so this is... I, I I have to... The only thing that... Now now it feels weird because I I, to, I came you, in, I told you're, Spike... Like, you're the wearing only short green pants with penguins on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I told Spike the only reason I'm dressed like this is because of bed bugs, but that's not entirely true. It's This is actually how I usually yeah, dress. Yeah, no, but, I know. It looks good. But uh, I am wearing uh, flip-flops because I had to throw in my shoes. But again, so. it's LA, and yeah. that's fine. And yeah. you're also wearing a very special watch, which I oh, think... Please. I recognize as a Bruce Lee Seiko. Yes, sir. Is yeah. that what that is? Yeah, Bruce Lee Seiko. Uh, What's the reference number of that watch? Oh, six, oh man. Now you're test 691. 1609 or 6903? 6901. Oh, man. Yeah. That is a beautiful watch. It's on a NATO. Thank you. With a black and gray. Yeah, James Bond NATO. Um, Look at how new. Is that a new old very, stock watch? Very, very comfortable. The NATO straps. I found these uh, single layer NATO straps. Uh, wow. Uh, so it's not too bulky. In a pandemic, perfect. You, you can wash your hands all the time. You can fly in this. You know, it doesn't hurt. There's something <laughs> crawling on it, though. Here, take it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a that is a gorgeous watch. Thank now, you. Now, if the listeners of this show know, I've not really been a Seiko fan, but right. I, I, I think I might search for that watch. Yeah. When, when was that watch made? This is 1970. 1970. At the time, it was why. competing with the Submariner. So it's the same price as a sub submarine really? at the time. Uh-huh. And if you look at it, you can understand why, because it actually has a uh, chron- chronograph uh, and it has day date. So, uh, you know, whatever. These days, like, what does that mean? iPhones, right? But if you think back then, uh, to have a, a timing, a stopwatch timer and day date and tell the time and be automatic and be waterproof, like that, you know, in the 70s, that must have been like, oh my God, this is the iPhone. Right, right. You know, 20, whatever it is. So it was competing with the Rolex. And I guess, you know, the, the legend is that Bruce Lee uh, wore one of these things with the metal, very quirky metal bracelet that has like holes in it. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like almost like, uh, I know that like bracelet, bubble right. wrap yeah, bracelet. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. then, um, uh, and the, no one can confirm this because. No one has ever confirmed it. He never confirmed it. But um, what happens is that on the Bruce Lee official Instagram account run by Shannon Lee, his daughter, um, they will post photos of Bruce Lee from, from the Bruce Lee archives. And every year, one photo will be posted where Bruce Lee's wearing a Seiko watch. <laughs> and then this sub-community of watch people go, go into this crazy frenzy of like, mm-hmm. it's like CSI, you know, whatever. Because they're zooming in. They're, yeah. They're trying to figure out what it is. And so this guy who I'll introduce you to, DC Vintage Watchers on Instagram, he did uh, a lot of research on the year of the photo. And, you know, he's looking at what's happening in the background of the photo to kind of deduce the year of it. And he figured out that this is most likely the model of Bruce Lee, uh, the model of Seiko that he was wearing. And by the way, there's a few variants of this. So it wasn't that- There are. It's not that easy. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. 6139. 6139. Is the reference number. And just when you pull that up, the Seiko 6139, you see uh, a gold dial, a blue dial- And then that watch that you're yeah. wearing, and that there is the uh, strap you're talking about. Yeah, I think but that's this, mine. That's actually mine. I think 
I think that photo is of my hand. Yeah. <laughs> well, that and watch I is do. on eBay, right? Now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that is not my hand. But and it's being advertised by a hotel. It says uh, it say West Hollywood Hotel because the guy left in safe. Right. What well, the, the other hell? thing about this this uh, model of this Seiko, is only six hundred bucks. Yeah, man. Well, I I would be careful on eBay. I'd be careful on eBay with this watch in particular. This this watch is a bit. Uh, Why? Lots of lots of uh, fakos. Let's put it, it that way. Really? Yeah, yeah. Be careful with this this one. On, I'm, gonna, on, I'm yeah. gonna add it to my watch very, list. Very easy right to uh, fake, unfortunately, or at least Frankenstein. It, does that happen to you often? You have a watch collection. Uh, have you ever? I had it. I had it recently happen with a vintage Hoyer that I had I, that I had bought on eBay a long time ago. Uh, it was a dive watch, uh, uh, orange dial, uh, uh, tag Hoyer. Oh yeah. I can't remember. Tag Hoyer, not not Hoyer. Tag Hoyer. No, pre-tag, it was actually pre-tag Hoyer. Oh, right? okay. So, so it would be a. Tag? It's just a Hoyer. Oh, it's a Hoyer, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Before tag took over. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't wearing it. Yeah. Went to sell it. Turned out to be fake. Oh. Damn. Oh, you know what? It was actually bought by uh, from a dealer here in L.A. Right. Yeah. Who I then talked to. Right. <laughs> he said, "I've got." I remember years ago, I had been looking for this, and he said, "I've got a new old stock one." Ooh. And it turned out, yeah, oh, it was damn. it was new. It wasn't old stock. It was new from yesterday that he made. <laughs> <laughs> did he, did he, have you done business with him before? Uh, that was the last deal I did with him. Of course. So that was one of those things. Like ten years later, you go, "Hey, you sold me a fraudulent watch." Oh. And he said, "Yeah, that happens." Um, but the sum total of the parts, I you know put it out to the Hoyer community on, yeah. on the dash. Yeah. And there was a guy there who said, look, the parts, the sum total of the parts are worth more than what you paid. Because wow. I originally paid a grand for it or that's something. Still, that's still not <clears throat> So they were like, we'll give you, I still got out of it clean. Sure. I still got out of it clean. Sure. But, you know, I think I'm like a lot of guys, you worry when you it comes time to sell a watch, especially an old one, yeah. right? Sure. And you go, hey, let's send this to Ben Clymer at Hodinkee. Yeah, you yeah. worry about that phone call five <laughs> days later. Well, I've yeah. got some bad news for you. Yeah, ben is Ben is uh, <laughs> a bit uh, uh, like sometimes the harbinger of uh, some bad news. Yeah, but, yeah. But yeah. Uh, I I uh, am not as hardcore as you in terms of buying that many so I guess my but you've, you've done a talking watches episode on Hodinkee I did you're hardcore deep into all of this stuff no don't I'm, minimize please no no I'm I'm just a beginner and all. I couldn't even tell you a reference model of this you know no, I, it, nobody like, cares uh, right right yeah but you have that thing you have that obsession sure. with them like we all sure. do but, this stupid stuff yeah this stupid stuff why stupid why stuff. what what the hell is it what is going on with us that we're attracted to this dumb stuff uh, like you're you're a younger guy yes. than I am Yes. You don't need a watch to tell time. Uh, speaking speaking for myself, what, what, what was it? Where, what did you see early on that made you go? I, I want to pursue a watch collection. I, I think it was just the aesthetics. For me, it was the idea of these things combine substance and form so well. And we look when we look at them, it's aesthetically pleasing, and yet they're they're highly functional. Right. And so for me, it was like how that combination of of style and substance is what good stand-up comedy should be. So I guess I saw a lot of um, parallels to my profession in it. I mean, mm-hmm. not just stand-up comedy, but show business and entertainment. I mean, you want, you, you, you do, when, you're, when, you're, when you're doing um, stand-up comedy or entertainment, I think you don't want to be fluff. You don't want to just be useless fluff kind of content that comes and goes. You want to be something that's classic, that's sensitive to time. So in these items, I saw that, I guess. I saw that and I aspired to... Um, to to make something that would be as 
uh, classic and as that combines as much style and substance as these things that you're buying, you know? And I don't know, just something cool about it. And and maybe it goes back to also, I didn't have cool stuff growing up. I, you know, I came from, uh, didn't have right. much money growing up. And so you see all these things and you're like, oh, okay, I wonder what's the big deal about it. <laughs> see, I think that's a big driver for a lot of this stuff. Sure, yeah. Yeah, because I think if you grow up with them, you're not interested in them. Yeah. But when they're unattainable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then there's the design aspect. Like, I look at that watch. It's yeah. a watch I didn't really know about. I have yeah. kind of see it, but I see the 70s design in yes. it, and I get lost. I yes. mean, early 70s design makes me crazy. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love it architecturally. I, yeah. I love everything about it. I love it in my cars as well. Oh, also, not to mention the other thing that attracts me to all this stuff is the heritage. Yeah. Right? The heritage and the stories behind it. Yeah. So right. it's really cool. This, this watch has a connection to Bruce Lee. I mean, right. I don't need to tell you why I would feel, you know, really... Uh, wanting to have a little bit of that on my wrist every day. Um, he's your Steve McQueen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a very he's a cool guy. I mean, the more I the more I uh, the more the older I get, the more I'm impressed by what he did. You know, right, right, right. Um, so lots of reasons to get into this stuff. Um, uh, I I I personally am very lucky to even be able to dabble a little bit in it. You know, I I I also that's why I feel like I'm I'm. It's very interesting. The universe is so weird that I managed to meet you and Jerry at this time because I'm only just kind of start got started into this, you know, car and 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 watch thing. My wife calls it my midlife crisis. And so <laughs> during the pandemic, and then I happened to meet the two guys who literally do comedy. <laughs> and at, there's more of us at the highest levels. They do. They buy watches at the highest levels, and they buy Porsches at the highest level. Oh, Jerry so like, does. Oh. I don't. Jerry does. Well, again, now you're selling yourself. But there's more. lots. There's Leno. Right. There's all sorts of secret guys like David Spade. Secret There's guys. Tom, Tom Segura's right. kind of showing his colors right. a little bit. Right, right. Look, because it's it's not the funniest thing, right? Sure. And your audience doesn't really want yeah, to yeah. think that about you. They like you to be kind of normal. Yeah, so exactly. so you're always trying to measure that. But yeah, yeah. yeah. But but you have to live your life. Right. You have to do the things that that you enjoy. Yeah. And um, yeah. No, it's not, it's hang also, out with it. We're gonna we're gonna ruin your bank account. <laughs> uh, does your wife stay with you when she, when you're out here? Or yeah, is she yeah, living? she does. She does. So so she, oh, she's dealing with these bed bugs now. No, she, well, yeah. Unfortunately, she came the night I discovered oh, the bed bugs. Oh Jesus! So she stayed the night, and I woke up and I was like, "Hey, you gotta, you we gotta get we gotta get the fuck out of here right now." And just just for just for everyone listening at home, I know the the moment you mention bed bugs, people can feel it on them. I'll, let me just put you at ease right now. If you get bitten by bed bugs, you'll know that you have bed bugs. Yeah, play play the song as well. <laughs> let, me, let me play this song and let me reassure everyone listening right now that if you have bed bugs, you will know it because the bites are like you, you very obvious, and they don't go away and they're hard. They're hard and firm. Oh, God. All right. <laughs> so let's talk about your new car. There's so much more we could get into. The Daily yeah. Show, I would do. I would right. talk about all... We, we all, totally skipped Australia, but that's fine. We skipped Australia. <laughs> your career is exploding right now, and that's oh, the nice very, thing. So I get fine. the feeling you're going to be back, or you'll be saying, you know what? I, I don't have time for a podcast, Spike. Always have time for Spike. But... Um, you got a car. Yes. And that's really the driver of you coming on right now. You've well, got a brand new car. It was to hang, hang out with you, but yes. Uh, yes, got a brand new car. It's actually- Tell us what it is. The first car I've ever bought in my entire life. 
my this first ever car ever never bought never owned a car in my life because i grew up in singapore where if you know singapore the cars are like 100 grand for like you know a, a, a camry uh so um and and i live in new york so again two cities where you probably right. shouldn't own a car right um great public transport in both cities by the way uh and so first ever car it's a uh, 996, uh, I'm just going to say it, Tiptronic, because I'm a poser. <laughs> uh, and um, There's nothing wrong with that. To, 2000. But you wanted a 911, a Porsche 911. Yeah. And you settled on a 996. Yes. And there it is. Yes. And is that blue ocean right blue now. metallic? What is the, which uh, blue is this? Uh, I, man, I, they didn't even tell. I, they just called it blue. They just called it. Uh, I can't tell. I'll look. Yeah. I think it's, I see it, a little bit of color. It's factory colors, though. And then inside is a caramel brown leather, which wow. I really like. It's, it's vintage modern. And why did you modern. choose the 996? Um, and a lot of people love this car. A lot of yes. there are a lot of nine nine six owners out there, yeah. and there are a lot of folks asking us to talk about nine nine sixes. Here we go, <laughs> for you. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I went down the rabbit hole of 911s, just like almost like Speedmaster watches. That's like you could, you know, go forever. 911s, there's so many variants. Uh, wanted something that was that number one, my wife was like, if you're going to do this, you better have airbags. So that eliminated. <laughs> Your wife said that. Yeah, she said you're gonna have airbags. I, I don't care. That was the only thing she said. She said airbags. Yeah, she said airbags. Air, yeah. So so that rules out entire you know decades. <laughs> yes, of- it does. <laughs> right. It also rules out you're not gonna do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's yeah. saying she's giving you permission. Yes, giving permission. Fantastic. Exactly. I was like, yes, anything. Airbags. You're gonna need headlights. <laughs> That's all I ask. Yeah. She said airbags, okay. and then she said. Um, uh, uh, that I think that oh uh, automatic she wanted it to be automatic why so that she could drive it if, oh. if she needed to oh cool if she needed to and I said yeah that's fine I also would prefer automatic because I wanted like a daily beater mm-hmm. something I could actually drive every day and feel happy in and um, looking and and uh, looking at all the Porsches there was this distinct like air cooled water cooled kind of I don't know snobbish. Uh, mark of uh, delineation I guess yep. And I just went like, you know what? I think this water cool thing is probably better for me as someone who's not a car guy, who doesn't know what he's doing. It just seems like there's more going for it um, in terms of maintenance. It seems a bit easier to, uh, uh, less less easy to break, let me put it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the 996, the other thing that attracted me was that it was designed by a guy from Hong Kong. And just like the Seiko is from Asia, and a, and I think the Seiko is a little underrated because in Asia we've all been colonized to think that you know Rolex is the best and Seiko is whatever. Um, in the same way, I feel like having a, a Asian designer, I think he was a bit underrated probably at the time, and he made these headlights, the fried egg headlights that were very controversial that yep. at the time everyone hated. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, you know what? Everyone hated this. I didn't. That makes like me it. love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes me love it even more. So, right. so that's that was a huge like. Oh yeah, I love that this guy from Hong Kong designed this car that people hated the headlights at the time, and now it's kind of withstood the test of time. I think the design has kind of. I think I, in my opinion, I think it's um, stood up as a classic design, and I got it. And some, and I had no idea. I've never driven one before. Before I got it, and oh, shout out Drew Koblitz and uh, the mainline Porsche for. Drew was the one who told me that a 996 was available. He went to go test drive it for me. I never even saw the car before I bought it. 
So he did all the, I trusted him to do all the, you know, oh, wow. car guy ma- maintenance, make sure I wasn't buying a husk of a car. <laughs> it could have come with, you know, whatever, a Frankenstein part. There are a couple engine issues that are hand grenades in your engine. Uh, you IMS bearings, which yes. I, I watched enough Petrolicious over the pandemic. That's right. People get uh, really afraid of that. How do you, right. how do you prevent? How do you, do? I, I don't know. As I understand it, there's a pin pulled and it might explode at some point. Enjoy, <laughs> enjoy your car. Mine, uh, mine went through a couple of engines. Engines when oh. when I had one oh, and I and I didn't care. I mean, I had a new one. I had a GT3 996 right. that I loved. Right. And then the engine grenaded, and they said we're going to put another one in. And I was depressed, and they were like, "Why? You get look, you had ten thousand miles on the car. Right. You're getting a new engine." I right. went, "Oh, that's a good way of thinking about right. it." And right, I, right. you know, it was totally fine. Yeah, totally and fine. And and so tell what? Why this one? How many miles are on it? Um, three nine zero K. So, uh, is that a lot? I don't wait. Know. 390,000 yeah. or 39,000? Oh, oh, uh, uh, 390,000, yeah. I don't know why I said it like that, but I was trying to think of it. 390,000 miles. Yeah. Is that bad? <laughs> Is that true? Yeah. You that can, can't be true. So it's turned over? Well, I think thirty nine thousand. Well, oh, this is how I'm exposing myself as not a car guy, but this well, is. Well, no, no. I think it's. If it's, it has close to 400,000 yeah, miles on it. Yeah. I think so. It's a steel, man, when I got it. It was a steal. It was absolute steal. So this car has been... Uh, all right. I yeah. feel like we got to go look at it right Let's now. look at it. Okay, Let's hold on. It. Let's yeah, just yeah. put the mic down. Okay, Spike got so scared, we had to go check it right now and <laughs> expose me as... This is how much of a not a car guy I am. It's 39,000. 39,000. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. That's right. a perfect uh, set of driver miles. Right. You've got a nice car there. It is beautiful and, inside and, of it. And it's a, modern, it's a modern classic in terms of like... It has all the conveniences, all the modern conveniences. It's got right. aircon. It's got um, uh, like it's got the uh, Porsche classic radio. Yep. Um, it's got seat warmers, uh, but yet it still has that um, vintage silhouette. Which, uh, yeah, it's just interesting to me that they would lose that silhouette <laughs> of you know, and it's still small. The center console isn't like. It doesn't have a freaking you know IBM computer in the middle. Of right, it. right. So it still feels like a it still feels like a classic car to me. I mean, granted, I'm a young guy, so for me, classic is like this. You know, like uh, start of the millennium. We um, we talk about on the show the word taproot. Your taproot car is the first car that you get that you don't end up keeping that you love, but it starts you off on this whole thing. Or it can become the cornerstone of your collection in the beginning of your, this is your taproot card. Yes, I think so. And And I know what's interesting about just going to look in it and watching you get into it and what you can't get right now is it's small. Right. I remember when I got into mine, I thought this thing is big. And now I look at it and I go, it's tiny. And that's a cool thing. And you're right about design. You know, and Porsches uh, are so interesting in that way that, you know, it used to be you'd get a new car two or three years later, you get rid of it because it starts to look old. Right. 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 And then it just keeps aging and then it ages poorly. And then suddenly it starts improving again. And I can never under I still don't understand how that happens, that you can look at a car one year and five years later you go, oh, my God, look at that. Yeah. What the hell is that? Something, yeah. What the hell is that? Something about the culture and the times, right? And the, and and, it's, and the nine nine six is right there, yeah. right now. Yes, long yes. ignored. Yes. you look at the prices; yes. they're they're not high. Yeah. And there's and there's what 
1999 to 2005 they made this yeah. thing. Yeah. That's a lot of cars. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff in a lot, there. A lot of stock. A lot of future uh, value increase. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. No, you broke it down better than I ever could. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a bit undervalued, like I said, uh, based on my, my research. And um, yeah, it, it, it drives like a dream. It's my first Porsche ever. Uh, and man, the handling is great. And it's like what you said, when I drive it to work in LA, I just got a smile on my face. I'm just, you know, the whole time I'm like, yeah, this is really cool. That's it. Yeah. That's the whole deal. Yeah. It is really Driving cool. around this place, making yourself happy because you're in traffic all the time. Yeah, yeah. You've got bed bugs crawling all <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, so, yeah, it's great. Um, and um, I, one thing about it that is the only flaw in it is, weirdly enough, when you turn on the aircon, just all the foam the foam has disintegrated. Oh. So I'm having that foam issue. Just tons of foam coming out of the car all the time, you know? And it's just... <laughs> so I had to spend like an hour. I was just cleaning foam out of the aircon. I was like, that's a lot of foam coming Did out of you thing. Were you able to fix it? I pulled out as much foam as I could. And the foam was the... It wasn't even easy for me. It was the kind of foam where as soon as you touch it, it disintegrates even more. So it just kept disintegrating. But is there a solution for that? Like, a, maybe can, is there someone we know who can take care of this? Man, for you? if there was, maybe I was better with cars. I could pull out the whole aircon thing and just clean out the foam altogether. But I had to no, use that's tweezers a, and that's something in your system. And I'm sure I'm going to hear about it now oh, that I don't know what it is. But that that's something it. that can be fixed. Sure. Who services this car for you? Uh, I just got it, so I guess the I bought it from a dealer in Pennsylvania. Who's oh, the guy who who looked at it for you? Uh, Drew Koblitz. He was also on Petrolicious. He had a he had he was driving his singer. Uh, I can't pronounce it. Quaison something. He called it the. I can't remember what it was. Some Latin <laughs> phrase. Uh, but he was a cool guy. Cool. He was very he was very cool because I've never actually met him. I only know him from Instagram because we followed each other on Instagram. Is he the guy with cool cars and cool watches all the time? Yeah. That guy, <laughs> Koblitz. Is, Koblitz, yes, yes. That's his Instagram handle, yes, right? Yes, yes, oh, yeah. What is he? He's got, a, he's got great stuff. He's got cool stuff. I don't know him. You've I've, talked to him? I've never met him in person, but we talked online. But he found you a car. Yeah, and he was so nice. He, he said, like, hey, if you ever want to talk cars, let me know. And I said, where is he getting all his money? I, dude, I didn't even ask questions. <laughs> <laughs> You're I, just talking to strangers on Instagram yeah, and, yeah. and buying cars from them. But, but that's the beauty of this, of any community, right? Is that yeah. when you do something, when you have the same interests, you, yeah. you can just talk about it immediately. So we're just talking about Porsches. I, I didn't know anything about it. So I just said, hey, if you happen to see a 996, you know, Tiptronic, yeah, yeah. please let me know. I'm serious buyer. I'm moving to LA for five months. I need a car to get around. And he found it. In and was the car here? No, it was in Pennsylvania. It was in Pennsylvania. Yeah, so he shipped it out. Wow. The dealership was great. The main line, very communicative and they, you know, on great. point. So it was a great buying experience and it's been a great driving experience. And yeah, the little quirks here and there, you know, a badge, Porsche badge fell off and the foam comes out the aircon. <laughs> but you know what? It's a 20-year-old car, you know, and that's- These are easy the, things to fix. Yeah. These I, are easy things and to I fix. Think the, we need it, to send this car in to get tightened up. Oh. And, and the 996 community listening, will you guys send me a solution for this foam thing? What needs to be done? Yeah. And I will forward it on to Ronnie. Yeah, and, and uh, uh, shout out, shout out also to uh, Rob Wang. Um, he's uh, another guy in LA who at um, Platinum Motorsports. He also was a guy who accepted delivery for me and looked it over oh, when I received great. it because I couldn't receive the car at the time. So he's, I guess, he's kind of my Porsche guy, even though I haven't actually asked him to do anything to a car yet because it's been running great. But yeah. foam, yeah. 
uh, foamy, dusty foam issues have to be resolved. Yes. And I've had two of them. They were right. both in Ferraris. Right. Uh, I had an old Ferrari Dino. Oh, my God. Uh, you had a Dino. A perfect spec preservation car, right? right. 6,000 original miles. Yes. The foam in the seat, though, had dried out, and every time you sat down, when you got out of the car, there was there was dust, yellow dust and dirt, and I would go, ah, what but, but it's original dust and dirt inside <laughs> the seat. Yeah. But I hate this; I'm a neat freak, and I would, that's, that's, and I stayed in this place for 12 years with that car, never really fixing funny. it. I regret that, and I and I dealt with it in a 365 GTC4 I had the right. same thing. Right, it's and, a and fine- it was it was an AC thing that time, right. and and. Uh, Oh, oh! Then in this old 911, where they had uh, restored it and they were sandblasted, somehow it got into the AC. So every time you turn it on, it would blow foam, and it's like it, you can't live with a foam issue. I've lived with it three times. Right. right. I don't want you to live with it. Thank we'll, you we'll so much. We'll get this result. It, it's it's a we'll fine. Get this fixed. It's a fine line between patina and just yeah. disgusting. No living. man, with bed bugs, you don't need stuff <laughs> blasting you when you're driving, and you're gonna be, your AC is gonna be on all the time. Did you also? You said you had some parts or something. Oh yeah! What are you doing? This is a true test of your podcast, I guess, because I don't know. I I I got them to put in a a Porsche Classic radio, and so in the process of it, they had to remove the center air vent, yes, uh, dash air vent, and so they just sent it to me because they're honest people. They just sent me all the parts. But I'm like, I don't need this. I don't have a garage. I don't live in LA. I don't, you know, I can't bring this back to New York. Right. So I brought that. (laughs) I brought the the replacement. Porsche 996, I'm pretty sure it's original, center AC dash vent. I just want to give it away to a good home. That's, here, here, wait, now wait. With trimmings. There's some trimmings, I guess. That's what you call it? Here's what I suggest. Please. Okay. Because you are new. Yes. I want you to take that stuff. I want you to put, seal it in a plastic bag. Okay. What? And put it in your front boot and leave it there. Why? Because that's the original stuff that came with the car. Yeah, but I... You uh, want to keep it. You want to keep that. Okay, this is... okay. This and is it like, didn't occur to me, because I know we've been texting back and yeah. forth. It didn't occur to me until right now. Yeah. That That's... Because you changed your car uh. from the way it came from the factory, uh-uh. that's totally fine. Uh. But the next buyer of that car may want to put it back that okay. way. And if you have that, those parts, okay. when I'm guessing... They're but I'm never selling this car. I'm never going <laughs> to sell this car. It's I mine. know you're thinking that right now. <laughs> Okay. But there will be a day okay. because you're huge. You're about to be huge. Wow, that's very cool. And the money is going to be flying in well, faster than you can spend that. it. I don't know about that. But and you're going to be calling me and I'm going to say, will, here's, here's what you're going to buy. I will respect, I'll, def- I'll defer to your judgment on this. This is like, <laughs> this is like when my friends buy like a really dumb watch and I'm always like, yes. why did you buy that? You yes. could have bought this. And I, a brightling. I, I hear yes. what you're saying. <laughs> This is like when, you know, like you some some friend has a watch that dad gave them and they immediately polish it. And they're uh. like, no, don't polish. <laughs> and they're like, why? It's yeah. Like, <laughs> it's dirty. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Okay, I, I will defer to you on this uh center AC. Da- yes. I had to Google what the hell that pot was, by the way. I didn't even know what it was called. But. I'm guessing if I were a guy restoring a 996 and I'm looking for that, I'm going to be paying a lot of money for it. It's, oh, wow. it's always good to keep that stuff. You okay. never know. You never know. Okay, right? well, sorry, podcast listeners. I was this close to giving. <laughs> Away, but let us like, look. You gave us a great hour of entertainment oh, today. Thank you, thank let you. us find a solution for your uh, dusty AC and the bed bugs. <laughs> the bed bugs. Uh, uh, yeah, and, well, uh, and let me. Uh, it's been great, Ronnie. No, thanks so much for um, letting me into your collection. I know this is a very private space for you, and uh, this is not. This is Zuckerman's private space. <laughs> oh, yeah. You still haven't seen my space. I mean, I mean your but your world. Your when world. Uh, when we're back. 
when we're out promoting this movie. Yes, you yes. got to come back on with me and uh, Jerry. I love to. We're you guys are legends. It's very kind. Thanks for the thank encouragement. Thank you for saying that. Thank Let's you for play the, some more Jackie Wilson. Thank you for the advice. There you go. Leave people on a high note here. Thanks for listening to Spike's Car Radio, brought to you by Hangar 56. Listen to new episodes every Wednesday, and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.